Welcome to our Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel, a transformative leader and executive coach in areas of public policy, social change, and spiritual entrepreneurship. We understand that today's life and social challenges require a more holistic approach, including spiritual tools, thoughtful dialogue, and of course, community building. Join us in the conversation. Today, I would like to talk about grief. I want to thank many of you for suggesting this topic. When I was first asked to preach on this, I could relate to a tremendous grief of different types among members in our community. And this coming month will be coming up on a two-year anniversary of the COVID shutdowns. In our little church and in millions of families around the world, there's been grieving of a life that we've felt like we've lost, times when we could gather together and see each other. As the pandemic rules lift, it feels as though we're coming back. But there's still sadness, there's loss, there's grief. Many of us have lost people to the pandemic and others to illnesses during the last few years. We've lost connections, uh, people have lost pets. So there is a lot of grief. There is a lot of grief in the world. And the grief in the world is profound, it's global, and we've all felt it. And after so many false starts in the ending of this pandemic, just like we feel like we're coming out of it, we begin to imagine those in-person gatherings and the joy of being together. And just as we're coming out of it, we get this punch to our gut with the invasion of Ukraine on Thursday. Facing no attack, Russia decided to invade Ukraine hoping to set up a puppet government under its control. For the first time since World War II, European nation has invaded another unprovoked and using the same lies that Hitler used in 1939. Putin reminds us that evil is always looking for an opportunity to strike. And as we grieve, we grieve for the people of Ukraine and we grieve for the people of Russia who suffer under the consequences of Putin's evil acts. In our own small community, we reflect on that. As I mentioned, two of our members are born in the Ukraine and they're on a, speaking to their family on a daily basis about decisions. Stay, go, what do you do? What do you do in a war? That's why we did host a, a prayer for Ukraine today, an interfaith service. And we were hoping to help in addressing the grief that so many are feeling. So pandemics, loss of connections, loss of people, casualties to war, uncertainty in the world as the leader of Russia talks about his nuclear weapons, it raises a sense of anxiety and grief. And the reality is grief is an inevitable, inescapable part of life. It's that response that we feel to loss. It's that particularly painful when we lose a person that we love. It can be equally as painful when we lose a pet that dies. It can be when we lose a deep connection with someone. And there's also anticipatory grief, which is when we anticipating loss, 
feel sad. Usually when we think of grief, we think of a person in pain and just suffering emotionally. But grief can often go beyond our emotions, impacting our appetite, our ability to think, and our ability to sleep. So are there any insights that we could get on grief from our scriptures, from our faith? The answer is yes. First, we look at Jesus in the story so beautifully read today about Lazarus. And just to be clear, I mentioned Lazarus in last week's sermon. It's a different Lazarus. This Lazarus is like Jesus' best friend, one of his best friends. And the Mary and Martha in the story, also a little confusing because Mary is a common name, is not his mother. These two sisters of Lazarus are also his best friends. So these, this is like his closest friend group. And Lazarus has died, and Jesus has just gotten to the site where he has died. And they're crying, and they're angry that Jesus didn't get there sooner. And you can just assume that with the loss of that friend and the pain that Mary and Martha are experiencing, we have famously the shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus wept, Jesus cried. So the first lesson when thinking about grief, if you take nothing else away from the sermon today, is it is very appropriate to feel that sadness during times of loss. And it is good to cry. It's good to go there with your feelings. It is healthy to grieve. Grieving is natural. And I personally see it as a sign of just how much we love the person or the pet. I did my first funeral ever for my grandmother when I was not yet a minister. And I did it with two other Swedenborgian ministers, uh, my second cousin and my great uncle, Richard Taffold. So it was three Richard Taffolds doing a service for my grandmother, which was pretty cool. And I really, at that point, had no idea of the power of being in front of a group of people talking and feeling the emotions and the pain of the crowd. And I began my message and I shared my stories. I was very close to my grandmother and I began to cry. The feelings of loss were overwhelming and I was picking it up not just for myself but from the audience. And I really couldn't pull together and it didn't really matter. There were qualified ministers to lead the service. And I remember as we walked out, I was a bit embarrassed and my great uncle, Reverend Richard Toffel leaned over to me and said, that was beautiful. Your tears made it real. You reflected the loss and love that everyone there had. Those were comforting words. I was being taught grief is not only natural, it's a sign of love and great respect. Today in our Ukraine service, prayer service, Katerina shared stories from family members. It was very touching. And she cried and she apologized. But I have to say, her tears in the stories made the events real for others. And you might remember a few weeks back, for those of you who were here when we did the interview with Shalanda Ingram, we had a friend of hers play the music at the beginning of the service. His name is Murph, and he kicked it off. 
a song he had written about loss. And at the end of it, he just stopped playing and he burst into tears. Again, I think when we have those moments and we have that Jesus wept moment, it adds a, a degree of respect and love for those that are lost, those that we're concerned about. And Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount that we will be comforted. It might not happen immediately. It might not happen in this life. But he did say, blessed are you who mourn, you will be comforted. And that is his promise. Swedenborg has some interesting insights on grief. He speaks to the fact that at a time of loss, a time when we feel furthest from God in grief, the angels are most close to us. We are being comforted by God. And when we trust in the Lord, we are constantly, constantly being moved in the right direction for our spiritual life. This doesn't mean that we don't suffer. We do. Jesus taught us in his own life that suffering is a part of life, but God works through it, moving toward good. Now, as a pastor, you would expect, naturally, I would get calls of people in times of grief. And I have to say, my natural style is to move to action. Could I solve this? What can we do? And sometimes that's great. But I have to tell you what I've learned. I've learned to refrain. When people are grieving, it's often best just to listen, not to solve. Probably the best insights on grief came from Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her book about the five stages of grief. Her book is called On Death and Dying. And I want to quickly just share some of these because I think they're very practical ways that we can see grief within ourselves and recognize it. But also, we are all called to be there for other people who are in grief. And it will be good signs for us to be aware of when we learn these. So she starts with denial as a first phase that people go through. She points out that there's just too much information to take in, and we can't process it. So we do it in pieces, and to the extent we deny what's going on. So we may find people in grief just denying everything. And I just want to acknowledge that's their way of coping. So we might feel a need to help that grieving person get real about what's going on. That's not, a, that's not helpful. If we understand that this is a natural stage, we can just let it go as they process it. And sometimes during this period of denial, people will be in shock or just numb. The second stage that she talks about is anger. We often lash out with our emotions as they come to the forefront. It's almost like if denial was holding back the reality of things, anger is that furious reaction to loss. Often that anger can be taken out against a close caregiver and God. And sometimes when grieving people get angry, they make us angry. And this can lead us to not want to be around the person. But that's when they need our support the most. So we can give people space 
and we can recognize that anger is a very natural reaction to grief. The third level, she suggests, is bargaining. And I see this most often with people who say, if I can get out of this pain, I'll do anything. I'll start a new life. I'll give up drugs. I'll go back to church. I'll pray every day. I'll turn my life around. There's some sort of deal. Usually, they're making a deal with God. At the bargaining stage, we feel helpless, and we're really looking to find a way to have some action in our life, even though we feel limited. Crafting a bargain gives us a sense of engagement. We're doing something. So if you're trying to help someone who is bargaining in grief, there's no need to criticize it or try to explain it away. Just recognize that they're moving forward. The fourth level that she speaks to is depression. And that happens slowly as we begin to process reality. We realize the bargain isn't realistic and the power of the loss settles in. And during this phase, we turn internally. Often we self-isolate. Sometimes during this, we also experience yearning and we search for the other person, particularly when the person has died. And we're desperate for signs. Trying to help someone in this stage can be tough because they probably don't want to talk. But I do find just letting them know that I'm there to listen is the best that you can do. The fifth and final stage in her work is called acceptance. We accept the reality of the loss. We're clear about it. We feel great pain from it, but we also find ways to cope. We stop trying to solve the loss and grief. Acceptance can lead to a time of restoration for some. Now, in my own experience with these steps that she has laid out, which I think are really helpful, I find that both myself and others bounce around through the different ones. It's not stages so much as she lays out, but people will bounce from one to another. And different personalities will do it in different ways. One thing I have discovered that's really important, that everyone grieves differently. Everyone grieves differently. It's not the same for any two people. And the time is different for everyone. We have to accept that too. For some, this could happen in hours or days or weeks, but for some, it could be years. And that's okay. Everyone grieves differently. The New York Times did a wonderful story about a family that lost their son in the World Trade Center, and I can put the link into our newsletter. But what was so amazing about the story was that each of the people the young man's father, mother, and his fiance. It's how they each reacted to grief was so dramatically different. Most notably, the father becomes susceptible to conspiracy theories and spends most of his life trying to, uh, working with groups showing that the United States attacked the building that day. But it was just very different for each person, and it really made the fine point that we each grieve differently, and that's okay. Based on my experience, if I could add a stage to what Kubler-Ross has laid out, I'd include forgiveness. We often find a way to blame ourselves for what we didn't do. And I find it very important to let ourselves off the hook and help others off the hook. I personally feel like these are really dark forces whispering in our ear. You should have done that. You didn't do this. 
And I think it's really dark forces, and I think we just need to be aware of it. And forgiveness is extremely important, both for ourselves and for other people that might be involved. With a global, global pandemic and now a potential for a global war, the entire world is experiencing some level of grief. All of us on this service today are experiencing some form of grief. Let's recognize just how tired everybody is. Arthur, uh, author Adam Grant uh, uses a phrase he calls languishing, and it's very closely tied to grief. This is a feeling that I'm just not making any progress. I can't get things done. It's based on the energy draining from us from anxiety and grief. And it's also very natural and very common. For me personally, I can see I'm far less productive than I was before the pandemic, for example. I do find myself exhausted at the end of the day in a way that I wasn't before. I often have brain fog where I can't remember a word when I'm talking to somebody. Maybe you've had some of these experiences, but they're pretty universal. People are going through this languishing period, and we also have to just be very loving and patient with ourselves and others. So during this time of turmoil, let's recognize that the person that we're talking to may look the same on the outside, but on the inside, there's grief and there's loss. So let's be more patient with them. Let's be more patient with ourselves. And let's remind ourselves that grief extends beyond the emotions. During times of grief, we need to eat nourishing food. We need to get an, out and do physical activity and find ways of stretching our body because grief impacts more than just our emotions. As we approach it within ourselves and others, the best advice is don't feel a need to give advice. Also, when you're helping someone who's in grief, maintain your boundaries. There's a world of hurt and it's easy to get pulled in yourself. And you're really no good to others if you do get pulled in and you can't help others. I often think of the analogy of rescuing someone in a pool. Don't jump in. Extend something, a rod, to help them. Mainly, people just need you to be there with them. They need to be heard. They need to know that you are there. They often don't need a solution. So as we think of grief, we remember Jesus wept. He taught us the importance of empathy. And we also remember that the angels are closest to us when we are most feeling alone. Last week I preached on the topic of heaven, and that is also a, another beautiful way, I think, for dealing with grief, to know that we move to a more beautiful experience after this one. So when we're dealing with grief, let's be kind to one another, and let's work as a community at Church of the Holy City to be a place that can comfort others in grief. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel. We invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments, as well as proposed topics for discussion. Sending you love and light. Till next episode.